Good evening, fans. Tim Kitzrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was blue within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the cold world, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. I thought I was Hello, Todd. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Great. How you doing? I am okay. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. I'm sorry to hear you were kind of waiting around for this for a while. Oh, no, no, no. I just... um. Because I uh, I don't usually use my um, like my downstairs office computer that much lately, so I wanted to make sure because uh, I'm actually working from home today. Uh, so I set everything up and did all my updates and blah 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 blah. And I got done a little earlier than I thought, so I just left it open in the background while I worked. <laughs> oh yeah, with <laughs> I have a home setup as well, and with the right amount of updates, it's like a brand new computer. You have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, anyway, I, I guess uh, the right way to start with you is um, have you go over some of the cool roles in your Twitter bio, and you can explain to me like what you're doing and who you're doing them with, and uh, we can kind of go from there. Does that sound good? Yeah, sure. This caught my eye. Snapchat official lens creator. That That's a fairly recent thing. Is that right? Yeah, so they started that program probably... Ah, uh, geez, about a year and a half ago now, I think, um, something like that, and uh, it may even be closer to two years now. But they've had um, basically what happened is if you were excited about creating lenses, you could apply to them and um, become an official lens creator. And once you're accepted into the official lens creator program, then you get access to early builds and um, just like a great community of people building lenses for Snapchat. I didn't really know about that because I uh, I honestly don't know that much about Snapchat other than, you know, it's, it's sort of the go to for everybody to make fun videos while they're goofing around. Uh, from the developer side, I don't know much about it at all. Like, what's the tool set like? How's that go? It's actually pretty cool. So they have um, it's it's actually it's just called Lens Studio, and it um, it mostly uses JavaScript as um, its underlying coding framework. Right. Mm -hmm. The thing that got me into it originally was as an you know XR developer, uh, I found that uh, we were doing a lot of prototypes and demos that were essentially just your 3d object in an ar space and not much more than that mm -hmm. right so we're doing a pitch to uh you know say a home builder or we're doing a pitch to um, a training company or something like that and you want to get them excited about it um, so what you do is you create a quick 3d asset that represents something in their business and then you bring that with you to the meeting and you show it to them on the table yeah just the the simplest kind of minimum wow factor pitch you can possibly conceive of. Through Unity, that meant building an app, like an Android app every time. Yeah. And then, so I was looking for an easier way to do it. And uh, Snapchat at the time was investing, and I mean, and still are, uh, investing heavily in their augmented reality technology. Mm -hmm. And they had room tracking down. They had all of that. So I was like, well, let's check out their tool set and see if this is something we can do in another platform more quickly. 
Yeah. And sure enough, it is. It's, <laughs> um, it is really, really easy to get something impressive um, very, very quickly. It went from, you know, a couple hours build to, uh, you know, having the 3D guy hand off the uh, model to me and me just pushing it, basically. That is pretty cool, yeah. So, I mean, kind of the same thing as uploading it to Sketchfab. Yeah. Or no, not Sketchfab. Uh, what's the big 3D? Yeah, Sketchfab. That's the one I'm thinking of. So they have an augmented reality display as well, but it was just, um, I don't know, it was just interesting. And and then I started kind of getting hooked on the fun bits of Snapchat, right? Like all of the face effects and that sort of stuff. I was going to say, did this sort of make you run wild with it on a personal level and sort of have fun? Yeah, totally did. Uh, so as soon as the, uh, so I had only done probably six or seven lenses when they approved me, and uh, but it was I because uh, they have a lot of very creative, artistic people um, who are uh, kind of from a younger demographic as part of the program, and I think what appealed to them about me is that I'm a little bit artistic, but mostly a coder and and older and I, they're really looking to have kind of that broad uh, spectrum of people creating lenses for the platform so that it's not just 20 something or 18, you know, like yeah. people in their teens and twenties um, creating. Um, I'm not going to say the same stuff because every creator makes their own stuff, but um, creating similar stuff. Yeah. I, I do have a, a few lens creators in my feed and I, I do think it's interesting uh, that just people from all walks of life seem to really appreciate, you know, what they're able to do with this. And I think it's very cool. Boy, submission processes seem to be a big thing for you. That's going to be sort of a theme of this discussion, I think, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> but uh, to, to kind of set that up, so your your profession is basically you you are in charge of this kind of technology for a group that does much more uh in media and uh, presentation stuff i mean kind of explain that okay so yeah um i run a smaller group uh within um a company called the ko group mm -hmm. and so and our our company kovr is um we're responsible for essentially handling any augmented reality or virtual reality projects that come up as a part of the bigger company. Uh, it started because here in Canada, there's a, are, are you from, from Canada or are you from the States? I'm from the States. I'm from the uh, St. Louis area down here. Okay. Yep. Um, so anyway, in Canada, we have a major furniture retailer called the brick and the brick is nationwide and the parent company, the KO Group, does all of their television advertising mm -hmm. and years ago uh, realized that it was not financially uh, viable to continue setting up a new uh, physical set every time they got in new um, – Every time they got in a new fridge or a new sofa or a new something, the the actual filming of commercials uh, in the volume that the brick does because they put out commercials constantly, like nobody's business. Like I've I've never seen anyone put out this many ads. <laughs> so they switched very early on to three D rendering everything so that they could make the commercials more quickly and uh, and and be able to dress a set in 
couple of hours um, without having to find a location and set everything up. So what happened is then uh, the brick started looking at things like augmented reality for furniture, uh, like you know many other furniture retailers are doing, Wayfair and IKEA and that sort of stuff. And so they brought me in to start this smaller group within the company. I got you. And yeah, so uh, that's kind of how KOVR started. And uh, yeah, and, and now it's just kind of finding our, our footing beyond the brick, um, beyond the uh, just trying to see what other sort of projects we can do. Um, we've had great success with uh, medical um, recently. We worked with uh, the University of Alberta on um, an eye condition simulation uh, set in the Alice Through the Looking Glass world which Ooh. was uh, designed for a fundraiser that they had. Cool. So it was, yeah, so you go into Through the Looking Glass and you perform a couple of game challenges, and uh, but all the while your vision is deteriorating. I see. So VR was perfect for it because, of course, you have very, very broad control over someone's vision when they're in VR. That's a cool concept, and... Uh, I I do think it's a fascinating line of work because I've gotten to work with what I guess I would describe as overall marketing firms also. And uh, they, they're always so excited about what the tech people can do there. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's an area I would recommend that tech people look into because you have a lot of types of jobs you can get where they don't necessarily fully appreciate you. Marketing people will always appreciate you because yeah. they go... <laughs> They come to you with the wildest things they possibly can. And in the grand scheme of things, they aren't that crazy uh, it, like that. It's like, what if we could simulate this thing where, you know, you could f see and, you know, observe your, your vision deteriorate over time. And you're like, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> and oh, oh, my goodness. You know, <laughs> it's 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 not a bad thing. Yeah, I uh, and, and even the. Uh, the brick thing sort of seemed like familiar territory because we just talked to a uh, VFX artist from Gearbox who had worked on Borderlands 3. And he said how he got into it after school was he went to work for a company not too unlike this. And they uh, they did work for somebody like Ikea, who, like them, needed to start doing uh, more 3D than physical sets and physical uh, photos and stuff. And they were very easily able to put, you know, 35 designs on one product and things like that. It's fascinating work. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh, so you, you head up that part of that company and like how many people do you get to work with in your group? Uh, so we are basically three people who are full-time KOVR and then we kind of borrow staff from the bigger company as needed. So we have uh, a designer, like a, you know, a concept artist and that who um, we borrow. We have a videographer who we borrow every now and then. Uh, so it's sort of a kind of, so we steal people as needed. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the bigger company is about uh, 20 people. Gotcha. So uh, from here, how do uh, how do we start getting into some of the VR stuff that you tweet about? Is this all through work or do you get to do some fun stuff on the side? Uh, it's almost all through work. Um, I we're in the uh, 
both fortunate and unfortunate position of not having really found our footing yet. Mm -hmm. So it gives me a lot of freedom to try some strange stuff. And uh, because we'll have kind of insane patches where we're creating smaller projects, uh, just, you know, like head down, making it as fast as we can. And then all of a sudden it'll be two months of nothing. Um, where we're just learning and creating demos and pitching. Yeah. So it's um, so yeah, most of the stuff that I have I tweet out are um, through work. And uh, for example, laser fishing, which was uh, a concept I came up with uh, probably about six months ago, and we've sort of hit a lull now and have, are deciding to uh, pursue a little further, uh, was just the idea of. Um, there's a couple games. Uh, obviously, um, Space Pirate Trainer has done super well across all the VR platforms, and I really like that kind of you know up close and personal, just blasting things kind of fun. And yeah. uh, but also, um, I've always loved games that had fishing in them. <laughs> and one day, I just thought, wouldn't it be cool to be like, you know. Sh- fishing off the deck of a ship, uh, you know, through a force field, reeling in these giant space monsters and then having to subdue them. (laughs) And at the time, I just kind of chuckled and um, thought it was ridiculous. But then I I had a morning where I was uh, doing a live stream and I decided to I decided to sculpt in VR, which I occasionally do. And I couldn't think of any ideas and then i remembered that and i was like okay well i'm gonna sculpt a space fish (laughs) and as soon as i sculpt i like i finished the sculpt i looked at it and i thought you know what this idea might actually work and so i started pitching it internally a little bit harder and uh got the go-ahead from uh the boss to kind of start exploring the idea (laughs) okay so cancel my first example this is why you have an amazing job (laughs) (laughs) that you went like what if i made this uh, space laser fishing game and they're like cool sounds good let us know (laughs) yeah so right now i'm kind of at that point where i'm tasked with coming out with uh, coming up with um both a solid design and um as well as a breakdown of what i think it's going to cost to develop and what our milestones are and all that sort of fun project management stuff and it's it's been it's been a really good process because I haven't uh, done all of that for a game in a while. I mean, with that being said, uh, the Alice Through the Looking Glass did have three games built into it. So it, I ran it the same way as I would a, a game project generally. Um, but this was just pure, pure aiming for fun. And uh, it's been it's been an interesting process. Uh, looking at some of the pictures you've tweeted alone, I mean, it, it looks like you do have a solid feel for this. Have you have you worked on some uh, relatively full featured game projects in the past? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, I have been doing games on and off for twenty uh, ish years. Oh. Um, I started doing flash games and uh, you know web and JavaScript games. Uh, I had the the fortune of uh, being a contractor on uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. But in that case, I was working on some web user experience for the 
uh, the keep that they built. So they built a web experience to go alongside the game. In case you hadn't played the earlier games, it was a way for you to go through and uh, essentially do like a choose your own adventure to build up your character as if you had played the first two games and then import it. Oh yeah. Um, as well as a whole, uh, just a boatload of information about the game world itself. And so it was a really, really interesting project. So I got to work on that one a little bit. I've done a whole bunch of, um, educational games, uh, for local government, the city of Edmonton, the province of Alberta, that sort of stuff. This is not the first time I've heard of Canada doing uh, projects like that. And in fact, I think it might have even been when I was freelancing myself that I saw uh, notices about this. But they, they seem to invest in game development uh, in several different ways. So I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, yes, they do in some places and almost did here in Alberta. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have recently uh, voted to... Uh, kind of scrap any of our technology ambitions in the hopes that oil becomes uh, amazing again. So that's that was disappointing. But <laughs> I was going to say that that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, Alberta. I don't. I don't want to get into the politics of it too much. But um, basically, we doubled down on oil and have now deactivated or completely scrapped all of the um, all of the technology development grants that were put in place by the previous government. So we're sort of scrambling here in Alberta to keep ourselves as competitive as they are in places like Montreal and Vancouver. Um, but it is what it is. <laughs> right. Um, I recently came from one state to another down here and, um, I guess the closest equivalency I have to that is we're currently in a state run by certain individuals who feel like uh, technology and even game developers specifically are sort of like public enemies. And it it makes me look around once in a while and go, what actual decade is this? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. We could still possibly think this way. (laughs) But uh, yeah, yeah, that's with, like you said, without diving too far into that. But so anyway, <laughs> is this the uh, that first fish you made that you tweeted out with uh, when you said you were submitting for approval? Because uh, this is just awesome. I love this thing. <laughs> uh, which one is it? Is it the kind of purpley spotty one? It's like purple one? and gold. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So I, I was kind of thinking of um, having them all kind of, you know, consume that whatever material x i don't know i think that i've named it yet but the you know like the the spice from dune there's a a something that makes interstellar space travel possible and these uh all of the the these creatures that live between the stars um have digestive systems that are able to consume this and process it into something that makes space travel possible uh which means that you can't just mine it yourself and process it it has to go through there the the living being to get it which necessitates the fishing it's uh quite the twisted sort of justification of fishing in space but (laughs) But that that's the best part of a project like this is uh coming up with the reason it works and i love that part of the the creative process for games because it's like (laughs) You you are doing this wacky thing, but here's why. And when you hear why, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
So needless to say, yeah, you've, you've come up with a novel concept here. And this was one of the reasons I thought it'd be fun to talk to you because you had to take this to Oculus, present it, and see if they would allow you to put it in the uh, the Quest Store, or is it even more than that? Uh, it's the Oculus Quest Store. So um, basically, the basically Facebook and Oculus are keeping the Quest as their um, their gold standard, their baby. It's you know they're really really. Uh, they're really counting on the success that they've seen off of this platform continuing and on uh, and they're they're doubling down on the idea that a, a closed very curated marketplace is the way to go right. um, I from the business side don't necessarily know you know like personally I always like to see my platform's much more open, uh, you know, less gatekeeping. I always feel like that's just the better way to go. It fosters creativity. Uh, I love sites like itch.io. And, and then, of course, in my early Flash days, there were places like Congregate and, oh, yeah. you know, uh, Game Jolt and all of those, like, really cool sites that allowed basically anyone to put anything up there and just – uh, let the 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 amazing things float to the top and sometimes let the really crappy yet shocking things float to the top but still it <laughs> has its merit <laughs> yeah so i have a quest and i i feel you know having been a little bit on both sides of this i feel like that has left the quest store um not barren. I mean, there's there's content there, and there's more than you could. Uh, you're probably not going to run out of things to do. However, I personally feel like I think they might have been a little bit too careful in their selections. And there's a lot of really great content on the quest that I love, and I love the the teams behind them, and I'll never stop uh, supporting that. I don't think there's enough variety right now. Yep. <laughs> I I have to look at things like okay. Uh, if if I look at the Apple App Store and think about when they started to sort of let go a little bit and uh, let more things in, was it better or worse? Um, probably both would be the answer because now, now there's exactly. an endless ocean of content. And I don't know if that's necessarily good either. But I think there's a better middle ground than than what they're doing right now. Don't you think? I think there probably is. But again, they have to start somewhere. And I don't I definitely don't fault them for this because there's so many different ways to go about this. And the you look at where Steam went. They went from being uh, a purely curated um, game platform to uh, basically anything goes. And uh, people complained about both. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> and and the thing is, is there's there there are people who say I only want to see great quality content, and there are people who say um, I just want the floodgates open, and I don't care um, if there's a thousand games launching a day, or uh, you know the things that I want to see will float to the top or will catch my attention. And my, I don't really have a big, um, like I don't have a horse in this race except for when I go to put something out, <laughs> which right. is what happened with laser fishing, right? So we submitted our concept. 
uh, they didn't really feel like it had uh, what they were looking for right now. And I think that is probably um, probably due to uh, KOVR, our you know our company's inexperience as a company, um, not necessarily as any one of our individuals within the company because I work with a lot of very talented people and some we and I think we all have our strengths but right now we don't have a single uh, public app out on anything right sure. except for you know the the one we built for the brick um, which was just a furniture configure uh, configuration tool Um we don't have a game out anywhere. So for Oculus to look at us and go, yeah, we we want these people to put something on our baby. And in their case, the, it also means committing a resource to us because they tend to have sort of essentially a manager for each, not for like one person, not a one-to-one relationship, but a manager who has sort of a group of games that they – take care of ensuring that the games are you know run at the proper frame rates and all that sort of fun stuff they have the proper marketing support that they need so from their perspective it's how how many people are they willing to assign to help developers through this creation process Mm -hmm. that that does sound pretty reminiscent of uh valve before they sort of brought down some of their their own barriers and To be fair, I don't know how they used to get through the day. You know, I, I know they have limited people and <laughs> yep. unlimited developers trying to uh, get content through through the gates, uh, both quality and otherwise. And I, I admit, I don't know a perfect solution to that. But uh, that is an interesting tidbit because I was going to ask how much, you know, how much time did you get to spend in communication with somebody? How much communication was there during this process? Well, I've had zero communication so far. Okay. Uh, basically, they have an online form. We, you submit your idea, and then they get back to you. Um, if it goes beyond that, then you get um, a lot more conversation. But we were actually emboldened by um, there is uh, I don't know if you know uh, Lucas Risotto. Uh, no, he made a title called um, "Where Thoughts Go." And it's on the quest right now. And he's a solo developer. And so he actually put up a YouTube video that was like, here are the steps you need to take to get approved on the Oculus Quest store. And so I watched that video and I was like, you know what? We've been talking about making this game. And again, it's kind of an internal pitch. We need to justify to uh, the KO group boss that this is – uh, worth doing and I thought let's pour some effort into making a really nice pitch and fire it over to Oculus and if I mean I guess in fishing terms if they take the bait hmm. um, then then it's going to be really easy to pitch this internally because we'll have approval to be on Oculus's top platform right now right so yeah, so we we poured some effort into making a really nice pitch, and uh, it it didn't go where I thought it was going to go. But I still like the idea, and I still want to develop it. The alternative, of course, is we can always uh, launch it on either the Rift Store or on Steam, 
And if the reviews are good enough, we can resubmit. True. I thought I had seen some sort of feedback from Oculus because I, I'm just in the very early stages of playing with some uh, development tools in Unity for uh, uh, the Oculus Quest, and I just got my Quest in uh, August. I thought I had seen it suggested somewhere that they recommend that you do some basic development so you can show it off during uh, the submission process. And that, that stood out to me because I thought they seem pretty pretty apprehensive about letting too many things in right now. And, and that sucks if you if you uh, do a lot of work for this on the way in. I mean, did you yeah. see anything like that or did you do a lot? Uh, no, I, again, we um, uh, we put out a full like we fleshed out a full game design. And but the the submission process, you have to get your concept approved before you even you don't even have official the official ability to. Um, have publishing access and see what kind of tools are available to you on the quest until you get that concept approval done. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does seem like a tricky situation for a lot of developers because uh, like you said, there are places you can go with a completed VR app right now, but the, the quest store is very attractive right now because it's got a huge audience and a, a diverse audience it's it's tough because we're so early in this thing. A lot of developers don't have a, a big existing portfolio right now. So we almost sort of need a, a better middle ground to sort of prove yourself to go to the Quest store and go, you've seen my work at, you know, I guess right now yep. that's Steam, <laughs> something like that. Well, there's also SideQuest. SideQuest, yeah, it's true. That's That's an option. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Um, and, and we were kind of considering doing um like a one or two fish demo uh and sure. launching it on side quest and just to prove out the 
um, the interaction style and the fun factor, right? Get people testing it, get some feedback on what people like and what they don't like, and yeah, just see if it's uh, see if the idea is as fun as I think it's going to be. <laughs> I'm I'm personally very into this idea. I think it would be uh, games that can make you laugh are really important. I, not not everything has to be a super dark and gritty, you know, <laughs> emotional roller coaster. Uh, it's okay to have fun, you know. So yeah. I, I'm into that. <laughs> the funny thing is, is probably about two or three months after I came up with this idea, there was uh, I, I'm not going to say if it it wasn't good, it wasn't bad, it was just kind of there. But there was a, a movie on Netflix that was basically a space retelling of Moby Dick. Oh boy. Wow. <laughs> and it was shockingly like what I had come up with idea wise. Um, you know, people in space hunting giant space whales. I wasn't at first I was like, Oh, well this idea sucks now. Uh, you know, someone else has had it and blah, blah, blah. And then after a while I thought, Nope, you know what? I, that, that maybe this is just an idea whose time has come. And <laughs> it was, it was interesting. I'm trying to remember what it was called, but uh, I'm curious now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was the Beyond White Space. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> um, it it's funny because it was from 2018, but it just hit Netflix. But yeah, it's like I don't know. It was it it was a B movie, but it was I quite enjoyed it. And uh, you know, again, not like I wouldn't be like. You know, I wouldn't put it in my top 800 movies or so, but 801 <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, I love that because uh, this is such a relatively far out concept and for, uh, for that to hit two people, this art is kind of funny. But uh, I, I'm finding out as a, a creator of just various things, um, I've had that happen somewhat recently too. Like I've started a writing project recently and I thought this is going to be sort of novel because it's very specific to like very unusual circumstances from like my past and things I've come up with since then. And I, you know, two weeks into this thing, I find out there's an HBO series about it. And it's like, what are you, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. So, I had, I had that happen, uh, uh, on a writing project I was, I was doing on, uh, Wattpad and it was, it was kind of a, a steampunk zombies sort of thing where, uh, it was considered an honor to be um, converted into sort of a, a a robotic zombie after death where you would work for society and, you know, do tasks and help out and that sort of stuff. And uh, and then probably I did the first two chapters and then an anime launched that was the exact same thing. And I was like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that like aside. This, I was like, this anime is so much better than what I've done so far that I'm content to, <laughs> you know, just put it on my watch later list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the one before that for me was, I, I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a, you know, uh, a serial like TV show that followed a game studio and, you know, had all these quirky characters and how they sort of fit in and they could sort of mirror interesting things that happened in the industry and 
damn if Mythic Quest didn't come out. <laughs> like, they, yeah, <laughs> they, they announced it when I was I was literally like 15 or 20 pages into like a concept pilot script. And it was like, <laughs> OK, well, the uh, cast from It's Always Sunny is using all of their resources on this right now. I'm like, oh, this is done. Yeah. So yeah, probably, uh, probably my biggest one, uh, my biggest one where that happened was back in the days of Bejeweled. Uh, hmm. So when when Bejeweled was on everybody's cell phones back before they were smartphones and uh, and it was getting really, really big. And uh, so I was a Flash game developer at the time. And I'm like, you know what would be great? A Bejeweled role playing game. And so <laughs> I created a demo of it and people online were like, yeah, it seems great. Like we should you should do more on this. And then I had a hard time tracking down an artist for the project and I let it sit. And then Puzzle Quest came out and just <laughs> dominated everything for a while. Just made millions of dollars. And I looked back on the project and I went, you know, if I had just put a little bit of money into that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part is when these things hit it big and they're these mega successes. Like, yeah, that was me. That was my idea. But I mean, it wasn't. I mean, they, it's not like they stole it or anything. I, it's just, like I said, one of those ideas whose time had come, right? Yeah. Like the, the obvious – I mean, it's so obvious – the idea of okay well people love uh role-playing mechanics and people love bejeweled so you know like that's how i think that's how probably about 80 percent of games get made is just people like oh well people love this people love this smash game <laughs> yeah yeah uh now i was kind of active in the flash days too and you'll have to tell me if you agree or disagree but if I wasn't a full flash game developer, I was at least a tinkerer and I was, I was definitely in into some of those communities you mentioned earlier and stuff. But I think the people who were doing stuff back then when game projects were like small and manageable and it's like you do something. And if people think it's cool, great, you know, you know what is and is not going to happen as a result. You just go try something else. And I, I think the people who did that at that time have turned into these like idea super machines that they can always come up with something fun to tackle and turn it into a game project. And, and I think, I think those people are much better off these days, right? Generally. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, and it's, I, uh, we're experiencing it to a large degree again with VR and AR yeah. and with unity. Um, I, I hardly ever see any, um, anything these days, uh, that is new and fun in the VR and AR space that doesn't launch with a, um, a, some sort of unity inter integration, right? Like what was the one I just saw today? It was, um, scape scape IO. Mm. So it's, um, it's it's designed for augmented reality at scale, so city-sized augmented reality. It has an understanding of uh, buildings, essentially. So if you wanted to have Godzilla walk through your town, it would have Godzilla-sized building occlusion. Oh. And it's powered by computer vision. It's... I mean, uh, I think Facebook just bought them, which is why they came across my feed. Yeah. And... It's, I mean, it's an amazing technology. And of course, the first thing they do is they've got, you know, a direct Android and um, direct Android and direct uh, iOS integrations, as well as a Unity plugin. Nice. And I, I, I'm really seeing that again in Unity. And that's, um, uh, so I'm also a Unity live help expert. So 
Uh, if you go onto the Unity Live Help section and you click I need help and you're willing to pay for it, I'm one of the people who gets called. It's been really, really awesome because I see the kinds of things that people who are just learning Unity are embarking on. Yeah. And they are creative and ambitious and uh, and I mean, and it's it's like Flash. It's lowered the barrier to entry by a significant amount. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I wanted to ask you about the Unity Live Help thing. Like, how how did that get started? How's that work? It was one of those weird situations again, where they decided to do their first pilot of the Unity Live Help Expert um, platform. Uh, so their first call for developers was for Canadians only. Hmm. No idea why, <laughs> um, but uh, I thought, well, it's. I, I was at the time I was doing a lot of Unity work and um, and I was uh, working towards all like you know my developer certification and that sort of stuff and I thought well this is a great way for me to both learn and uh, study because nothing helps you study more than trying to solve other people's problems. <laughs> oh, I'll bet. <laughs> so, so I signed up uh, and. Uh, got approved as uh, one of their first live help experts, and yeah, it's been fantastic. It's so, it's such a neat program, and um, and they have kind of different levels of. They have the the general live help expert, and then they have the Unity verified live help experts, and they had this list of requirements that you needed to meet to be a Unity live help expert. Uh, the ver the verified expert, and part of that was going onto their forums and racking up over five hundred points and correct answers. Oh, so I was like, again, um, anytime I can, you know, solidify my knowledge about a platform and help other people, it's it's great because first of all, uh, my a lot of my background. Uh, was in creating educational games and educational software. And so I just love that process of helping people out and problem solving. And so it was it was just fun to go on there and, you know, just spend I spent probably two straight weeks in their forums. Every break I had, every lunch break or coffee break or whatever, I'd go in and try and solve a problem. And it's uh, and and it really was a great prep for solving people's problems live uh, through the platform. Yeah, and 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 great study, uh, like a great process for studying for the Unity certification because uh, Unity is so big. Like all of these game engines, Unreal, everything, they're so big. There's so much going on in there that you don't know what you don't know until you. Tr until you are exposed to it. Right. Oh, and yeah. so, uh, just even just little things, right? Like, uh, the process of, uh, bundling your application for iOS and for Android. And, uh, if you haven't done it in two or three months, there's probably something new that you didn't know about. <laughs> yeah. So. I believe that, <laughs> uh, that made me think you, you said you had to, uh, acquire enough points on the forums uh, a couple of weeks sounds very fast actually because I've been on those forums and I, I bet that's a little bit of a process <laughs> you'd have to devote a lot of attention to that 
Yeah, I did. Um, it was, uh, I, but the uh, the other thing too is, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. For the first bit, I just picked a lot of low hanging fruit, right? I yeah. kind of trolled the forums for unanswered questions, uh, so I just put the search on unanswered questions uh, that are the newest and tried to be first in with the best answer. So that was a uh, <laughs> that was a good way to go about it. I, uh, I I like all this stuff that Unity does. Um, I first interacted with somebody from Unity, I guess it was two years ago now, because GDC is coming up again, and I didn't go last year. Um, but I, I just put out a call on Twitter, you know, hey, I'm going to be in the area. If anybody's, you know, I did the thing you do. I'm going to be at GDC. If anybody wants to have lunch, dinner, meet, hang out, uh, that'll be great. And that, that was a big deal, because I'm not anywhere near uh, San Francisco and someone from unity, I guess, looked at my profile and said, yeah, we'd love to talk to you about some stuff we're doing. And I said, yeah, awesome. So I, uh, I did that. I visited them the morning of the day I was leaving town, I guess. And, uh, they, they, they said basically something like that. Like we're, we're doing certain programs and we're reaching out to developers who have been on unity from between, uh, you know, one and three years or something like that. And, and, uh, we're, we're doing all these different regional things. And, and she's like, uh, you're located here in the Bay area. Right. And I'm like, Nope. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I was on the wrong end of that one, but like, it is really cool how they'll like pick a region and go, here's what we're trying here. And, uh, maybe it's somewhere where they do a lot of, uh, film work or, uh, you know, things where they're doing stuff in medical technology and like, they've got their hands in a lot of different, uh, pies, you know, they're doing some very cool stuff. Uh, yeah, and I, I I think that their their internal culture it seems really uh, well thought out and uh, just very enthusiastic. And you know, I've always had good interactions with uh, the people I've worked with from um, from Unity. And uh, and again, it, you know, I mean, flipping back to the Snapchat stuff, I think that's probably one of the things that have drawn me to both platforms is that Snapchat also are very very enthusiastic and they don't seem as focused around um pure acquisition mm-hmm. i mean obviously every company needs to have that you know stable you know or that continual growth of you know now we have 250 million users or whatever right but um but i i feel that both companies show uh, a commitment to building their user base through innovation rather than through shady tactics or, you know, I mean, yeah. everyone's, everyone's going to have those, but to some degree, but I, I feel like both are really, really just, you know, buying their own hype and trying to make it more real every day. If that makes any sense. It, it does. And I mean, you know, they've got the advantage of, of being like, what's more fun than Snapchat. It's it's a complete, a really strong foundation of things that are just fun and neat and bring people together and let them have fun. And, and you, you can't really beat yeah. that. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of the Silicon Valley scene where they sort of um, parodied Snapchat and were thinking about bringing on Richard as a, a developer and like – we you'll be amazed by this new technology and it's this no, nothing's ever been seen like it. And he goes in a room and it puts a mustache on his face that follows him anywhere he is on the screen. And it's like, <laughs> he gets doing fun, cool things that make people laugh. And like, that's awesome. Yeah. Augmented reality is so fascinating on its own. Like for people who haven't done anything with AR, uh, it's, 
it doesn't take too long to get started, like less time than you would expect. Oh yeah. If you're doing like unity alongside it, uh, I know I had talked to a client who wanted a freelance project done where they had a cool idea they didn't really run with, but it was basically like one of those uh, tourist camera things, like the binoculars you would look through that are sort of planted on the ground. And it would like, you know, weave in data and, you know, pictures of things and outlines of buildings. And like, you could see all this cool stuff. And they're like, yeah, it'd be cool to put these in like airports and stuff. Everyone has these great ideas and they're not very hard to put together. It's a really cool time for that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's definitely exciting that there's so much innovation going on and, and it's so accessible. Um, it's also a little scary as, you know, a, a professional developer of many, many years who's maybe grown a little long in the tooth here. Um, it's also <laughs> interesting to see, oh, well, yeah, things that, you know, a couple of years ago, hardcore developers were the only ones doing it or now, you know, and it, now you can crank a, a, an augmented reality lens out in lens studio in about 15 minutes. Yeah. It's like, wow, you know, you got to really work to stay ahead. <laughs> Not to mention we're like five years from developers who are robots and see an augmented reality and they decide what virtual reality that the rest of us will look at. I mean, that's not that scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have to interview them. I'm not looking forward to that. So <laughs> anyway, uh, like what kind of stuff are you excited about in VR and AR and, and any of that, right? Like what st sort of stuff do you see lately that you really enjoy? Um, well, I mean, the influence of machine learning on everything right now is so apparent and it's so it's it's just everywhere um the the idea that machine learning could potentially replace our need for uh 3d rendering entirely is mm -hmm. is sitting on the on the horizon i saw uh an amazing demo that nvidia did where they they fed a whole bunch of driving video, um, just video of people driving through a city, um, tied it to the um, the inputs that the person was giving in the vehicle. So the acceleration, the braking, and the turning, mm -hmm. and basically made a little driving simulator that dreams the city as you go as opposed to 3D rendering it. My so goodness. nothing was ever 3D rendered. It was all just uh, almost like a deep fake of a city, <laughs> right? Where it was, where if you turned left, it just dreamed what was coming to the left or to the right. And there were never, it, it, although it looks 3D to you, the driver, like a, like a 3D driving game on the screen, yeah. um, it looks more real than 3d with some artifacts and that sort of stuff but it was just an amazing demonstration and made me think well right now you hire a 3d artist they go in they recreate the thing and or they create something from scratch and then you plug it into your game or whatever but we are rapidly approaching the the point where as a game designer you could say, um, I want a bird in my game, and that bird should have a long beak that's orange, and it should have red and blue feathers on the back, and it'll it'll 
essentially dream that creature for you. Yeah. And I want it in the style of, you know, Pablo Picasso and just the, this crazy merging. Like they had a, um, I saw a demonstration where they did exactly that. Basically there's a bird maker and you just describe a bird and then it uses its knowledge of birds to create a custom bird for you. Uh, which is why I chose it as, as an example. And right now, it only creates a 2D one, but things are moving at a very rapid pace yeah. where the the art assets in your game will only be limited by your imagination. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's kind of embarrassing. I remember uh, not so many years ago when I f- saw the... Uh, the blender tree plugin that you could, you could load into blender, uh, go into a form, set some sliders and it would generate these incredible looking trees that you could put in your project. And I saw that at that time and thought, well, now I've seen it all. (laughs) And we're just getting started. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, the same thing as things that are very, very commonly useful for person-to-person interaction um there's i i mean i saw them like like two years ago at um gdc was uh avatar sdk Mm -hmm. which is just a very simple way to take a person's picture it assumes a 3d model of their face uh that can then be used in vr chat yeah sorry cutting in and out just a little bit (laughs) oh yeah basically it's the you know the the power of of artificial intelligence coming up and that combined with the uh the tendency of all of these tools uh for creation becoming easier and more accessible is just fantastic to me yeah we we truly are coming up on just an incredible time for creators in general and just you know uh, not not just very technically skilled developers, but people with big ideas. There are better ways than ever for those people to just sort of bring those things together, and and I love it because the more the more of that we can get, and the more people who can get their visions realized, uh, we we're always better off. And so that's really incredible. Yeah. But um, so well, that's awesome. Um, I'm sure this is going to interest a lot of people who hear it, and uh, let people know where they can find more about you or your work or anything you want to plug. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So uh, generally, my main uh, point of of contact right now is uh, my Twitter, which I recently rebranded. It's uh, Aaron A A R O N X R Dev. Um, I went with a. I had a. I, I, I used to go by Egoant, which was my online handle for many, 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 many years. Uh, but I'm moving away from that because I just find, you know what, these days more people go by their names than by a handle. And <laughs> it's kind of a leftover from the old times, ye old BBS systems. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, so, I mean, hit me up on Twitter. Of course, you can always get me on Snapchat or whatever. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, I, I, I love to chat about these sort of things and anyone who's interested, I'm always willing to talk to it. 
and uh, let's get a little bit of a grassroots movement going for laser fishing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. get that to the hands well, of the people. Well, I, I may actually plan a Kickstarter, a small Kickstarter on that one, but I want to do a, a, at least a, a rudimentary demo for it. And yeah, so if you see laser fishing online, just give it a little heart. <laughs> <laughs> so you heard it here first. Well, uh, thanks for hanging out and talking. I know you're busy, uh, but this was great and this was a lot of fun and uh, very insightful about the <laughs> state of the uh, Quest Store processes right now. All right. Well, thanks, Todd. All right. Big thank you one more time to Aaron Clifford, the head AR and VR developer at KOVR. He's a cool creator, and he's got an awesome perspective on this stuff, and it's fun to pick his brain and have him, have him around on social media. If you enjoy Game Dev Breakdown, I'd love to have you subscribe, share it with a friend. If you know anybody who likes this kind of stuff, get in touch. Let me know what you think about the show and what the show topics are that you'd like to hear about. Love making this the kind of show you want to hear. So, uh, show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. We have a Patreon group at Patreon.com slash CodeWritePlay. And we're always working on bringing you new fun stuff. So uh, stay tuned. Keep working hard. More very soon. Congratulations on your game dev breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me.